did it brian the knicks have landed a free agent dare i say bing bong (laughs) bing bong (laughs) bing bong what a perfect like encapsulation of the julius randall star era (laughs) the souring of bing bong how it's just like just so immediate as fun as it was it aged just as poorly i know so fast bing bong no like big bong (laughs) which i regret i would have loved bing bong if we could have been awesome last year i would have embraced bing bong with all my heart and soul right it was better than nick's tape or whatever that was yeah i wouldn't know what that means that was terrible (laughs) i don't want to watch the tape right it's disgusting yeah it's a Knicks tape. Like, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> this stinks. <laughs> so now you're, uh, where are you at with Jalen Brunson right now? Now that he's ours. He's in our bosoms, Brian. Right. He's in our breasts. You know, fine. Fine, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> you can have your Jalen Brunson, your precious Brunson, Get all excited about all the things he's gonna. Br- I don't know. I, I I think I texted you this. As I said, I think you have convinced me that I am too. De- I am more depressed than I should be about the Knicks, but I still am. That's where I am. I am convinced that you're probably right that this isn't a disaster, but I'm not excited. I think that's fair. I don't think Jalen Brunson is an exciting player. So just to let the fans behind the curtain a little bit, we had a brief recording going before the one that they're listening to right now. We ran into some technical difficulties. But uh, I don't think, at least my feeling, I was sort of joking when I said the Knicks landed their free agent. I was. I don't think it's a big deal. Like Like you were saying, it's not a big deal. J- Jalen Brunson is not a star. We didn't land a star. It's not like finally the curse is broken or anything. And you pointed out other times where we did land guys like Amari Stoudemire or Camelo Anthony. So I don't think this solves that. More what I well, – I, I guess I was just answering back at people who were like, they might, they still might not even get him. Like all yeah. this – and they're not going to get him. Like, we okay, but we did get him. And again, I think it just goes to show with the front office that there was a plan – that they knew they were going to be like to me, the frustration with the Knicks over the years has been that there has been no plan B. They have a plan a to get star player X who they never had a chance to get to begin with and didn't realize it. Then they don't get star X. And then we end up with Julius Randall. So I think more this time it was plan a was Ivy and that was who they were hoping would be the, the the star that turned us around. We didn't land him, and there was a plan B ready to go where and, – and it wasn't in doubt. It wasn't like, a, uh-oh, let's scramble to put together a plan B that sucks and probably isn't even going to happen. That there was just – the front office showed they had a plan A that was exciting. They weren't able to pull it off. And then plan B was a far less exciting – event but 
at least a sure thing. And I think my takeaway from that is I'm not excited, certainly. I don't know that I'm disappointed like you are, but I'm not excited. But I'm um, confident that our decision makers are not total morons. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's no doubt this is the best Knicks front office, you know, since they were good, since like Dave Checkett's and them. Like they know what they're doing. They've executed some complicated trades. Like they're doing lots of math. You know, they're they're both. There's no doubt they're like very aware of what you need to have accumulated in order to um, make change. You know, they're not they're not totally scrambling. Like I do think they have a sense of what they're doing. I do still feel like the Knicks are stuck in. Like, as much as Dolan is, like, not involved in the franchise, there's still, like, a pressure that he applies, I think, that they have to kind of be kind of good, you know, um, that I think harms them in some ways. Um, and I think this move is, is somewhat emblematic of that, like, them feeling like they got to go get a guy who's going to move the needle a little bit. Um but I agree with you that it's not – he's a good player, you know, and he's only 25. And, yes, it's a lot of money. It's, you know – but only in, in the context of the NBA, it's not crippling money. He's not making 40, 50 million. You know, basketball players are very expensive. There's very few of them right. that are very good. Um, he's very he – is, he is good. Um. You know, what's so funny to me is like I've been I've been on Twitter a little bit more recently because of all this, you know, moving and shaking and trying to keep track of what's happening and getting that taste of the Nick fan reaction. And what's so fascinating to me is like the Nick Twitter is totally the opposite of where I am, where like like the only thing that makes me at all confident that this that we'll might, we might punch above our weight this year, is Tibbs. I think Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau is an excellent coach. And I'm like, okay, you give him a little boost and, you know, you might reap the benefits of that. Like, I really do believe that. And yet, like, when I'm on Twitter, it's like, he's the biggest impediment. You know, we've got all these precious fruits and flowers. And, <laughs> and like, I'm really, you know, there's this real disconnect of, like, these folks on Twitter who love every guy the Knicks have. Like, Oh, you don't even understand how good Obi is. And like quickly, look at these plus minus minutes. Quickly is he could be, you know, like and Quentin Grimes is people have no idea how good Quentin Grimes is, you know. And like I like all those players, one. And I, I have in, in general agreement with the Knicks Twitter's feeling of like playing these youngsters and it's more fun and more and an end potentially like, you know, better. But then it's like on the same breath, it's like, well, will the Knicks make the playoffs next year? And they're like, no, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so what which is it? These guys are all so great, but like, oh, they suck. And Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, and But then it's like, oh, because Tibbs won't let them flourish because he's going to like, you know, I just like, come on. It's infuriating. It's very incoherent, though. It's like very like, I don't know. It doesn't add up. Well, right, and this is where analytics drive me crazy because generally I respect analytics, and, and we've kind of talked about this a lot, but 
what it does to fans who think that they can look at a number and then know the whole story. Like you're obviously right. looking for numbers that back up your personal biases. Right. And, and, but because plus minus is such a respected statistic, it's like, well, how could you argue with that? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, right. I don't know what everybody expects. Like quickly should be the starting point guard. Why did we get Brunson? Because that's what I've seen a lot of on Twitter. Like, why did yeah. we get Brunson? Because we should be starting quickly. Well, then why on earth did anyone want Ivy to begin with? Or like, what? I mean. But a lot what? of these same people like the Brunson move. And then we'll tell you that Emmanuel quickly, yeah, is like about if he could just get the playing time, he would transform the whole franchise. And, and right. I, I, Emmanuel quickly is my favorite player on the team. I also think he's very good. He shot 39% from the field his first two seasons. Like, yeah. He's it's terrible. He's had long stretches where he's been a terrible player. Like, and to just look at like his on-off, you know, I'm sorry, you guys are dangerous with those statistics. They are super valuable. But like just looking at these three-man combinations and the net rating, I just think you're they're, it's totally contextless about when they're playing. What what's the you know, when are those situations happening? You know, like you look at a three-man group, like quickly, they'll be like quickly Randall and RJ together. It's like, whatever. When was that? You know, like yeah. maybe it's in the fourth quarter when they're down 20 and you know what I mean? And, and so the other team is let them, like, we have no context to what I just don't, I think people are, that data is super helpful and important. And I want my franchise to be all over it. But, like, fans on Twitter, I'm just more and more convinced, are, like, super misusing it. <laughs> and, like, it doesn't. I, like, when a guy is playing bad and those numbers still pretend to him having a positive impact, you have to, like, inspect that a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. What, what is that telling me, you know? Like, what am I actually learning from that? Um, so, I don't know. Or, like, even – it's not even just – I mean, I guess they're fans in theory, but, like, um, Tommy Beer, who I had always liked and respected. He became unhealthily obsessed with Deuce McBride's plus-minus numbers. Right. And it just the simple fact of the matter is, if Deuce McBride was as good as Tommy Beer's Twitter account would have you believe, I don't understand why every team in the league wasn't calling us to make a big trade for that guy. Because right, nobody point guard nobody, ever. He, he wouldn't play on any team in the league. Right. Like, it's not like Tibbs is some stubborn mule who won't play that guy. That guy would not play for anyone. Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, you, you'd say, right, he had like a plus 20. And then you look at it and he would have like two points. You know? right. <laughs> You're like, come on, man. I don't care. He is one. He's not Marcus Smart or Draymond Green. He's a nice defensive player, a young player. I like Deuce McBride. He's a promising prospect, but he's very much a prospect. And yeah. the idea that a coach would just like force feed Deuce is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> and based off like a seven-minute sample in the fourth quarter of a blowout, where like he moves. I mean, just like, what are you talking about? Getting back to quickly for a second, I don't understand why it's such a travesty for quickly to come off the bench and be streaky because it seems to be what he's good at. And who doesn't love that? Like when your team has the six man of the year, the fans of that team 
love that guy because he comes off the bench. He's like, he's like the, uh, the wrestling, uh, you know, tag teammate who's outside and he hasn't been tagged in for like the whole match. And he's desperately got his hand over the rope and the guy's crawling over and they finally makes a tag. That guy comes into the ring and is as the great gorilla monsoon would put it a house of fire, just knocking people everywhere and going crazy. Like you want a guy like that. And I think that's a role. And I'm not even saying quickly can't do more than that, but I think it's actually a role that he's perfect for that suits his game very well. And I would say that, as much as I like quickly and I wouldn't, I would certainly be excited if I saw him in a starting lineup, like, Oh wow. Okay. What's this going to look like? What are we going to see here? I'm not against it in any way, shape or form, but if we were to go into the season with him as the guy, I would be like that floater better fall all the time. Now I don't, I don't want to, I don't want games to go by where that floater is just a nightmare and not going in at all. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. He has games that are like, like, uh, right. There's no honesty in the evaluation of him. Like he has games that are like one for 15 and yeah. you're like, and what the coach is just supposed to be like, well, did you see his on off splits? Like, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't just sit there and watch that. Like that's not okay. Especially for a player who's not a, you know, a top, a lottery pick. This is a guy you took in the latter half of the first round. Nobody expected him to be a great player. Like, yeah, 25th. And they uh, thought that was early. He was supposed to go in like the second round. Right. Nobody had him going that high. I know. Like, so, I, you know, right. Here's Tom Thibodeau, who has, like, you know, entrusted this guy a ton, played him a lot. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just find the idea, too, that, like, last year's Knicks were held back by Tom Thibodeau <laughs> is, to me, laughable. Like, I really think that's ridiculous. I think they would have been, you know, they think they won 37 games or something last year, which I, which I think for that roster was like a triumph. Yeah. It was a really good job. Um, I bet I would, I would guess 30, 29. That's where I would say if you had just a league average NBA head coach, like I really believe that. And I, I find it, it's like the thing I find so disorienting when I then ever like get in this world where I'm like, you guys think Tibbs is like, a huge problem. Like I can, like, I, I have my issues with him. I totally agree with sometimes. Like I wish he brought guys in off the bench faster. I wish he was a little more flexible with the lineup pairings. Like I do think Obi needs to play more. All of it. I like totally agree. But like you, if you think he's like a giant problem for this team, I just think you're crazy. I really, I find that so disorienting. It's also, I think people, they just have this ideal in their head where it's just got to be what they, like, just for example, you know, when I was coaching, right, and I was calling the defense for high school, and we'd, you know, we'd have our coaches meeting at the beginning of the week, and I'd sort of present the plan, and inevitably, someone says, well, if we do that, then they're going to be able to do this, and it's like, I know, I, I'm giving them that, because right, I want right. to take away this thing. And that's just Tibbs. It's like, is is Tibbs going to be the dream come true of every individual Knicks fan on Twitter? Of course not. Never. That's totally impossible. Right. There are trade-offs with Tibbs. You get lineups that may not excite you, that they may bore you. They may be the same thing every night. You also get competent basketball for the most part. And I know everybody's like, well, we should just tank and get the French kid. When We haven't gotten the number one pick since 1984. <laughs> 
That's just not a strategy. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to sit. God, February is maybe the most miserable month ever. Every year. At least can I have watchable basketball on my television? <laughs> like, is that the worst fate for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just like, you're so right. Like, yeah, the, the things he takes off the table, it's like, but we also had the top-ranked defense in the league after the All-Star break. Yeah. Like, number one. I keep right. saying this. Number one. <laughs> Not number 15. Number one. Like, yeah. That's his pre, you know, and like, yeah. So the offense isn't as free flowing as you want, or whatever it is that you're, you, you know, you think, like number one. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's not and, doing a terrible job. Right. He's not a problem. He's going to maximize the the team that they give him, and he'll probably get a three or four more wins than the roster would otherwise get. So like. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the good thing is getting him at least a little more talent, and okay, um, you know that that'll be good. And you know, I don't know. It's just like the, <laughs> Julius Randle is like the thing that just he sits above the whole franchise now, and you just don't know what you're going to get from him this year, you know. And if they can't get rid of him. You've got Obi sitting there who seems like he could make everything work. You know, like they're going to have Mitch, who's the defensive anchor. They're going to have Brunson and Barrett, who both like to operate inside the arc, you know, really like to drive, you know, Obi cutting and moving. And if he could hit the threes like he was doing at the end of the year, like he could really, that would seem like that would really work, you know. And... Julius, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know how he fits in this and what his mindset is and what he's coming back to do, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, he is a huge question mark. I don't know. Like, what's your level of hope that they are still able to unload him somewhere before the season starts? You just, like, can't – it's hard to find a team, you know? Like, who's going to pony up for him? And what do we get back that, you know, like – we'd obviously would only want like expiring contracts. Like, um, you know, the other thing of the NBA man is, you know, other teams have salary caps, but like the NBA with this Byzantine system, you know, you're over the cap, you're under the cap. Then you, the, you get the mid-level exception. It can turn into a trade exception. Like, and what that inspires among these lunatics who are just obsessed with the cat minutia and love pouring over it and just like how complicated it makes trades and it's just like why who how did you idiots come up with this i know what is this right i actually i mean as bad as the system is i think you're i think what your point is and i agree is is like what's worse are the fans and media members who are excited by that minutia. Love it. Who are just like, we can trade these contracts, not even players, guys who aren't even able to put just contracts yeah. to move money around like it's the stock market. Oh, like, it God. Sucks. I know. I know. There is so many people interested in basketball as like everything but the basketball. Like, right. they love the like. Yeah, the asset management and these complicated deals you have to, and it's just like God. Ugh. 
and sometimes I see regular people people on Twitter, even our our buddy Matt, friend of the friend of the pod, present trades where I'm like, how do you know about this random Utah player? Like, have you how much have you watched of that guy that you're like he'd be a good fit? Or yeah, yeah. Like, how do you even know? What are you talking about? Like, well, I don't know. Just to that end, so our other big signing of the offseason, which I guess is like a bit of a, a gem, this Isaiah Hartinson. <laughs> but, I mean, the day – I mean, like, never heard of that guy, all right? Right, never. <laughs> I'm being fair, never heard of him. I feel like I follow the NBA pretty well. Never heard his name. The Knicks sign him, I mean, instantaneous. Like, what? oh, wow, great get. Best rim protector in the league, this guy. Right. And I guess Great he player. was like one of these G League sensations. He he was like a G League finals MVP. And he did, you know, then you start digging into him. All right, he had a pretty good year last year, like in in a limited role. And he's, you know, an intriguing player that they got. But like, yeah, the instantaneous like, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. I personally, I heard about this guy. 10 seconds ago. So exactly. I'll, have to, I'll have to take a moment before I jump all in. <laughs> I know. Like, exactly. exactly. What a great signing. This guy's awesome. Right. Let Mitch walk. Get Mitch. We don't need Mitch right, anymore. Forget right. about Mitch. Right. My reaction was Isaiah Hartenstein. Oh, he's white? Right. Mine oh, too. Okay. And then, and then, oh, now that I know he's white, Hartenstein. Is he Jewish? Right. What is like, he? Right. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I knew so little about him. It had nothing to do with basketball. My first piece. Just surprised at what he looked like. What is yeah, he? Yeah, like, yeah. All that stuff. That's how little I knew about this guy. And for so many Knicks fans, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty big sports fan. I feel like I watch a good bit of sports. Never seen or heard of this guy before. Never heard his name. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, then the more you dig into him, like I am, I'm a little excited about that guy. Do you think he yes. seems like that? And that is the kind of move that does make you go, like, see, I do think the Knicks are what better run than in. You know, I don't think there's a world where that's a move they make. That they're the team that slides in and gets this like, uh, you know, underrated jewel. Yeah, um, and that's honestly that's what we would complain about with the Giants so much. It's like, you know, I remember a couple of years ago being so pissed about Robert Quinn going to Dallas, coming off a 10-sack year and then having like another big year for the Cowboys, and we ha- meanwhile we have no pass rush and the Cowboys plucked him out of a bargain basement bin. Yeah. And it's like how are the Giants in desperate need of pass rush and we don't get this guy at a deal? You know, and that's what the Knicks are doing. And I, and again, Leon Rose does not do himself any favors by avoiding the media or whatever. But boy, do I think he's done such a good job of surrounding himself with Tibbs, Brock Aller, and World Wide West. And really, I think when you look at, again, what have we done since Rose has been here? What does the team look like? Truly kind of picking at the best of each guy. You know, it seems like all the contracts we sign, like, it seems like a pattern with the Knicks the last two offseasons. Knicks sign a guy, people freak out about the contract, then a couple days later they're like, oh, actually, that's a pretty good contract and it works well for the Knicks. That's Brock Aller. Right, thank, right. Thank God we have him. Right, You know, right. we clearly, I think, brought in Jalen Brunson and re-signed Mitch because they're important for teams, for Tibbs to do well. And if people are going to bitch and moan about Tibbs, he's the coach. 
He's a good coach. We should give him a team that he's able to coach well. Right. You know, and then we just have Worldwide West out there just, yeah, I don't know, stirring shit up. And, and sometimes that's the most annoying part. That's like the nixiest aspect of it. But whatever. I don't think he's run amok. I don't I think he's mostly in check. As wild as, you know, some of the stories about him are. We haven't made any like crazy moves. Yeah, no, and, and and anytime there's stuff that sounds like it's coming from him, it does feel like Leon Rose always overrules him and he has no problem doing so. Um Yeah, I mean I think I think that then the the Knicks understand this group understands the NBA more than any group the Knicks have had. Um, like they understand at every level, you know? So it's certainly an improvement over Steve Mills and Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, I mean, these aren't hard bars to clear, but like um, they have cleared it. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, the off season is not over the whole Durant Kyrie shoes are yet to drop and then we'll see where everything shakes out from there. Yeah. Let's Can we can we talk about Durant just for a little just like Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what does Durant like I what does Durant think he's doing? Like what is he actually trying to do? Like what does getting to Phoenix You know like does he just feel disrespected by this Nets group? Is that like I don't understand to, or... how he could come to the conclusion that he's been disrespected, though. Right. What does he think? He, he's like, I don't get it. What disrespect has he been shown? That them is it them playing this hardball with Kyrie just turned him off? Like, <sighs> what are the Nets doing? Like, not to, like not that the players haven't deserved it, but like. The Nets, I am kind of like, you just, you did make this bed. Like, what are you, like, this is it. This is what it is. Like, it's going to be a bit of a pain in the butt. I what? I would say, yeah. Like, what I, do they think they're going to do now? Well, I here's my read, I think, on the, on the situation overall. Is like, I think that at the time, you know, at the time they, they were able to land Durant and Kyrie, it was a huge opportunity for them as a franchise. It's impossible as it seems to you and I that the neck that the Nets could or would take over New York. If they were ever going to, that was probably the time to do it. You just landed these massive stars. You're an instant contender. You're in a huge market. I think that was their moment. And I think that the culture of the NBA at the time, both the reality of the culture and the media's perpetuation of that culture was, you know, player empowerment. You have to give the players and their agents what they want because if you don't, your team, much like the Knicks, will get a bad rap around the league and it'll become a toxic destination for people. And, you know, guys will know, like, well, Joe Tsai is too full of himself and he thinks he's the boss and so you don't want to go play there because he's not going to play ball with you. You got to go to this franchise because their owner is going to want to please you and whatever. And so, you know players were holding teams hostage for a while. And so I do think that at the time Brooklyn did the smart things, which was like, let's just keep these two happy. They're so talented. If we get them the guys that they want and they can stay healthy, we're always in with these two guys on the roster, on the floor, we're always going to be in the mix no matter what. 
And then even up to getting James Harden. Like, I don't really know who can say that they could run a basketball franchise and have an opportunity to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all on the floor together in your stadium, in your arena at the same time. I think anybody in the league, no matter what they're saying now, would have absolutely done that. But I do think that, you know, it's not like this just happened a year ago, right? Like Durant and Kyrie are in year what, four? Or they're approaching year four of this whole situation? And I think it's just year three, isn't it? Of, of I think year three just ended, right? Because Durant sat out a full year. Right. From, from right, his Achilles. Right. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I think we're approaching year four. And especially I last... that, right. So the first year, they got nothing out of Durant. Right. And they got Kyrie nothing. Kyrie was sort of like... A lunatic. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie was like... He went to a birthday party. He just like skipped a game and went to yeah. his sister's birthday or something yeah, crazy. Yeah. Or was like yeah. on Zooms or... Yeah. so. So I do think that the Nets are at a point where it's like, okay, I mean, we tolerated literally everything with you guys. We, signed, we got rid of Jared Allen to pay DeAndre Jordan for the three of you or the yeah. two of you or whatever. And Kyrie, you're not going to get the vaccine and you're going to be a weirdo about it and you're going to buy a ticket to the game and come like make a whole show. like Right. And, right. and then you're going to be a weirdo in Boston and – and then, so yeah, you're not reliable. I'm sorry. We're not yeah. going to like extend you because you're not reliable and you seem to have no self-awareness of that fact. So then for Durant to be pissed at Brooklyn for their treatment of Kyrie and not pissed at Kyrie for his treatment right, right. of Brooklyn, it is, I totally understand why Brooklyn's like, okay, yeah, we're going to play hardball because we gave you everything you want and now you're going to, you're going to shit all over us and demand right. a trade. No. Now it's like, all right, yeah. Like, I don't know. If if we have to trade you guys away and we have no picks, we're gonna suck next year anyway. So we may as well suck screwing the two of you over. Right. And we're just gonna get whatever, like a massive some kind of godfather haul for the both of you and be done with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I but yeah, I mean to me it's like Durant, you have this kind of you've been this unbelievable player. You're like the you know, arguably the second best player of your generation. Um, you know, but you've never been able to truly separate yourself in the way that I think you believe. Like, I think he's like, in his mind, it's LeBron and then it's him. And, and I, that, I understand why he thinks that. Um, but you have this opportunity, like, you know, like fix this. Like you got Ben Simmons, you got Kyrie, like, why not say to yourself, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get in great shape. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get gather Kyrie, like gather Ben Simmons. We're going to come back, make next year your like, you know, mission statement of like, we're going to go prove, you know, like then you could like actually get this respect or this thing that you think you deserve. You know what I mean? Go out there. And instead it's like, you're going to demand the trade blow the whole thing up and what you're going to go up to Toronto or fix and what salvage your reputation somehow. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I just think with Durant, we just have to get used to the idea that he just doesn't get, like he doesn't get it. Yeah. He never has. Yeah. And he just doesn't like, he doesn't how he didn't understand why people 
thought it sucked that he went to Golden State. Like, I can see not caring. I can see, you know, any number. But to be confused by that reaction, like, dude, you just saw that play out with LeBron, like, a few years ago. What did you think was going to happen? And yours was so much worse. (laughs) Yeah, right. So much worse. Yeah. So I think he just doesn't get it in that regard. I mean, he's lucky it was a small market. Imagine if, like, that was, like, Boston Lakers. Oh, God, I know. And he lost – he gave up a 3-1 lead in the finals as a Celtic to the Lakers and then bolted to the Lakers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's (laughs) so lucky the actual markets and franchises involved that it worked out the way it did. Absolutely. If he did that, if that was, like, Knicks Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals and he pulled that on us, like, I I don't want to be responsible for what my reaction to that might be. If a player ever did that to me as a fan, like... Like, I don't think he'd be able to play in the Garden ever again. (laughs) (laughs) From a security standpoint. It would be, like, a right. If he was a sixer and they... And he did that, you know, they lost to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he did pull the stunt like that. Right. Like, you'd have to have extra security on hand. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. It's a pretty, you know, it is like, a, it's pretty extreme to, like, be on a team, blow a 3-1 lead against a team in the Conference Finals, and then sign with that team. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it's extreme. Yeah, and to call yourself one of the greatest players of all time in the in like in the process of it, it's just ludicrous. I feel like even to this day, there's a lot of people who are like, ah, it's you know, look, it's a personal dis-, which it totally is, and I realize the fandom in general is irrational and crazy, but like, it is almost not discussed enough how extreme that move is. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> like, if I was a Thunder fan, I would never get over that. Just like. What? Right. You're I know. Going, you're leaving for them? Yeah. <laughs> but they're the one. <laughs> we just lost to them. It was horrible. Oh, no. God. No, I, I, right. If he didn't care, then fine. You know what I mean? But you clearly care. And I just think, too, I, I think his thinking probably is the situation in Brooklyn has just gotten too toxic there's just too much here and it's not working out and the best thing for him is a fresh start in a place where he'd be comfortable like i bet you that's his mindset what he's just failing to consider is i think all of us in this world feel like we could use a fresh start somewhere else like wouldn't it be great if i could just you know there's certain things that just aren't working out in this situation whether it's your job your relationship whatever a fresh start would be great and of course, that fresh start is ideal for me. I'm surrounded by all the right people. I'm in a place I want to be. I want to like, you know, my, like all that stuff. That's just not the way it works, Kev. So either you got to go where the Nets send you, which could be Toronto. Right. Or suck it up and play out your contract. Right. That pays that, you over that you $100 think, million. Dollars. You think that you can leave this situation having this played out and have it not reflect on you or not, you know, (laughs) like nobody to ever like, I don't know, have it impact the way that you're recalled. Like it's going to, you went to a franchise under to great fanfare. They did terrible. And then you left them in, you know, 
shambles. Right, right. It's going to affect like the way people recall you. Yeah, I don't know. it's loot. And meanwhile, I don't know if you saw. Did you read that there was a piece in the Athletic about uh, Joe Desai? No. It was hilarious and sad because it was like so funny the beginning of it is like kind of filling you in on like who joe Tsai is like his background you know went to yale and one of the richest billionaires in the world and a real alpha and and like all this stuff and he does not like the way he's being treated oh god by durant and Kyrie, and so because of that he's had enough of those two and that's why he's going to get rid of them. They're right. not asking out. He's right. getting them out. Right, he's, right. And it's like such bullshit. Like, right. sorry, Joe. No matter how much money you make, whatever billionaire you are, nobody gives a shit who you are. Right. Nobody right. cares who you are. Right. right. They care yeah. about who those two are. And right. either way, you're the loser in this. Sorry, pal. I mean, it also, like, don't you really realize, too, like, a guy like, like, I don't know. How did he make his money, Joe Sai? Like, why is he a billionaire? You I know? don't know. Yeah. It's like, as much money as athletes get paid, it's like, you so realize how underpaid they actually are. You right. Know? Like, Kevin Durant should be worth more than whatever this guy did. Like, right. I, you know right. what I mean? It's just like, he's obviously much more special of a human than this asshole. But, yeah. I, if I could criticize Nets for one thing, I do feel like, if I were them... I, I can understand playing hardball with Kyrie being like, look, I would probably make sure that we were in contact with Durant that whole time and be like, listen, like we kind of need your support on this. Like, you know, I don't know. There's a way to do it where you could have brought this team back. Like you still have a lot of good things. Like now you really screwed it up <laughs> um, and they can spin it all the way they want about like, Oh, we're going to get all these draft picks and players and, it's going to, you know, you're in for a world of hurt in the next few years. Like, it's going to be hard. Um, and you were, they were there. Like, you know, this whole plan, to they were there, man. Like, there were net fans in the garden. Like, yeah, it was building. Like, it was happening. You know, even, it was more than I was even had thought, you know. Like, I agree. Even in many ways as, like, they didn't dominate the back pages the way you would think given the star power. Like, it was starting to get a little frightening if you were a Nick a person mm-hmm. um and now you know they're gonna have a hell of a time yeah. sustaining any of that yeah i mean look even if because some people i do think are predicting durant is is not going to really have much of a choice and is going to end up staying in brooklyn I, I mean i don't think that's oh, out of okay. the question um but i i yeah i think even if that does happen he's done damage yeah that would be um, fascinating that would be interesting to watch that would be if they just show up and it's just all right yeah like that's how I want you. Let's take, I wish someone would say to Durant, like, you know how you get what you want in life, man. You, you, you come back to this team and you guys go out there and you annihilate everybody. Yeah. Like, that's how you get your right. Kevin. I'm Kevin fucking Durant. You know who I am. Like you want that. You want people to remember you like that. That's what you would do. No question about it. No question about it. You don't leave Brooklyn for Phoenix and yeah. expect to be thought of as, an all-timer. I'm Mr. Badass. Yeah. Like, yeah, but if you no. came back out there this year and you said, fuck it, I'm going to stay in Brooklyn and we're going to, we're going to, the three of us are going to kill everybody. Yeah. Like that's how you secure that place as like the dude. 
other than like the not LeBron. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should also, when you say the three of us, it should be noted that uh, Ben Simmons deleted his Instagram. Right. <laughs> right. What is that? What is that? Just like right. nobody's talking about me. Like, right. what is that about? Like, right. what, what is these Instagram games that these modern start? Like, they're such weirdos. Like, they unfollow their team on Instagram. It's like, right. what are you doing? What? Also, just Ben Simmons, like, what? Did we forget you were the weirdest guy ever? Right. Like, we started to think, think, talk about how weird Kyrie was, and you're like, no, guys. I'm so much weirder. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What message were you sending? What is any like... <sighs> God. Right. Also, like, what if, Instagram. what if it was an, it's, what if it was an accident? Like, Ben, just come out and be like, guys, I, I get it. Like, right. I know what I've done over the last couple of years. I totally get why this seems super weird. Right. Just, I, you know, I unlocked the phone, but I didn't realize. Right. I, I, I sat on it. it. <laughs> right. Do something. But don't just be like, what? Social right. media is toxic. Like, don't say oh, something stupid. Don't God. be an idiot. Like, God what are almighty. you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> right. Delete it from your phone. Don't delete the entire right. account. <laughs> right. Stop Maybe that's posting. Just, that should be his excuse. Right. Like, I thought I was deleting it from my phone right. to like I focus deleted. on training, and I accidentally deleted the account. The old account, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Uh, all right, Brian. Uh, let's transition into a little bit of college football here. The big news of the week is that USC and UCLA, two Midwestern powers, jumped to the Big Ten. Um, I that. This has gotten a big reaction from a lot of people. But before we get into that, because this just kicked off a lot of realignment talk and a lot of old debates, do you feel that Notre Dame should be in a conference? And if you do, what conference should they be in? Um, I, they should be in a conference because they should want to be in one so that they can play in a conference championship game and get into the playoffs better i think or does it help them to not i don't know um i think i don't know i mean i get why they like the whole independence thing it gives them this little brand identity that they're like above the sport um it makes them special and shiny um but it's probably i i mean i don't know what's the future of conferences it feels like maybe it's time to just Get rid of them. I think that's probably the best idea. Yeah. But that's not going to happen probably for a variety of reasons. If anything, they're just going to consolidate more and, and right. whatever. Well, like what happens to the Pac-12? Are they like... I don't know. That's, that's pretty I, big. Yeah. No, it's obviously. it's They just lost Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and like I saw one of the, one of the fallback plans is to get is to have San Diego state enter the PAC 10 to give them that South Southern California footprint back. But I mean, that's just, that's not, that's, that's how you tread water at best. You know, that's not like a plan to yeah. resurrect or do anything with your conference. I mean, what's crazy with the PAC 10, I don't even remember what year this was. I'm going to say it's in the neighborhood of 2010 could have been 2012 could have been 2008. But there was talk of Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to go to the Pac-10. 
or the Pac-12 or whatever it was at the time. That was the big rumor. And that was when uh, the Big Ten got the Big Ten network and then the Pac-12 was trying to compete by having their own network, but they felt like they needed to add Texas, who already had the Longhorn network. I don't know. There was all kinds of TV politics involved. But that move was supposed to happen, and it never happened, and then it totally shifted. I think Texas A&M entering the SEC brought about the possibility of schools that far west being part of the SEC. And so that's where Texas and Oklahoma went, and then the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, so Texas and Oklahoma, they made that move. They're in the SEC now. Not They will not be in SEC play this year. I think oh, it's the it's year happening. after. Yes, that's official. That's, uh, so yeah, the that's, Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to have to make a deal, probably. Right. Yes. And then, you know, there are some people who said that now we're already walking down the path to just two super conferences. It's basically the whole country is... Or the top 32, roughly the top 32 teams in America will be in either the Big Ten or the SEC. Right. And everybody else is just everybody else. Right. At which point, it becomes pretty meaningless. Like the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten, like, you kind of reach this place where, like, it's, I don't know, you know what I mean? I don't know, like, it's not, like, UCLA is in there. I know. Yeah, I mean, we probably reached that place when we brought in Rutgers. Right. You know, or Maryland. Maryland. Maryland is in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And now we have the LH. But I think also it doesn't really make, I mean, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that Texas A&M was in the SEC. Yeah. Like Southeastern. You know, that also didn't make any sense. Um. Yeah. But I think you're right. I just think, you know, it's because the conferences are who the TV deals are ultimately with. Right. And they're, the conferences are more than just athletics, which I don't think everybody totally realizes. But they're also academic right. uh, sharing situations that are involved. And in, that's kind of what university presidents, uh, presidents will tend to care about more, particularly like, you know, I don't know, maybe not at Ohio State. Maybe Ohio State's president doesn't care more about academic end than the football end of it. But like if you're say illinois right like you probably do um but yeah i don't i think the best thing would be no conferences because to me it's like sort of the reason i let off with notre dame is because they've been the staunchest independence of all time but you know they haven't played michigan since 2019 and they're not supposed to again until the 2030s i mean that's you would think they would want that michigan game i don't really get why they wouldn't and now that USC is coming to the Big Ten and Notre Dame already has that also co-rivalry with like Michigan State, it just wouldn't make any sense for Notre Dame not to be in the Big Ten. Like you get your USC game, you get, you know, like I'm sure the Big Ten would take on Stanford just to get Notre Dame too. Like, fine, we'll bring in all your rivals. Yeah, I mean, I, the Big Ten always has felt like a more natural fit for Notre Dame than the ACC. Like, yeah, they're already course. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, yeah, all their historic rivals. I mean, the only one that they got was Florida State because of this ACC. I mean, the weird thing about Notre Dame is how they've been in the conferences. They were in the Big Ten. They just weren't in the Big Ten. And then they were in the ACC. They're just not in the ACC. Like yeah. It's like the weirdest situation ever. What I just don't know what to make of all this is I, I agree. Like I think conferences shouldn't be a thing anymore. They don't totally matter anymore. I guess it's like what to expect from college football 
for most people just has to be reevaluated. Like, because you look at Nebraska, like Nebraska came into the big 10, what, like 2010 or something, you know? And, and like in, in our childhood, Nebraska was a dominant force. Like, yeah, you, know, you didn't think you couldn't imagine a world back then where, you know, they're not in the mix. And since they've entered the big 10, they have been a humiliation. Yeah. They've been terrible. Like, and they only made it to one Big Ten championship game, and Wisconsin hung 70 points on them. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I don't think that, like, a, a historic program like that is just now nothing because they had too many big boys on their schedule after a certain point. Right. And that's going to start happening to more and more programs where then it's really only becomes about what the top 10 teams or something. And on the one hand, I get why that sucks for a lot of people, but on the other hand, I don't know. Isn't that already what it was? We're just sort of acknowledging it better now. Yeah. It's been that way for a long time. There's yeah. only, I mean, I think now it's like never been more that there's like two schools. Right. I mean, you know, Clemson, Notre, I mean, Clemson, Alabama and Ohio state have been so dominant and Georgia, I guess you'll throw in the mix. Yeah been so dominant the last few years it's like a joke right i yeah i get and that's why i do think that uh, that's what the i don't know i don't know what the right move is like and i don't know how i feel i know people like ohio state michigan's not i know people are like oh the, it sucks because some of these traditions and it does suck i think for a lot because if you're like if you're a fan of a certain school like let's say oregon leaves the pac-12 now because they're sort of on an island, right? Yeah. If they leave, I don't know if they're playing Oregon State in their last game of the year every year. And I personally don't care if Oregon plays Oregon State. Right. But there are a lot of people who do. Yeah, And it's yeah. almost the point of Oregon State having a football team is to play Oregon. Yeah, right, and right. maybe upset them at the end of the year. Yeah. Like rivalries like Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, Michigan, or things like that, where you do have both teams potentially in the mix, that's pretty rare. Like, or Alabama-Auburn, I, I should say. Like, most rivalries, it's like one really good team and one team that sucks, or both teams suck. Right, that's, right. That's usually <laughs> how it goes. Yeah. Um, I guess and, you'll probably see the Pac-12 and the Big 12 make some kind of deal to try to bolster, you know, beef up those conferences. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess in the short term, you should probably just feel like, okay, that's fun. You get no, to play I'm, USC now. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> you get to play USC. Yeah. You know? And it's like, too, where I sort of think, Rutgers, you really have no business being in the Big Ten. But yet, stay in the Big Ten because Ohio State's going to come here every other year. USC is going to come here every other year. Yeah. We should go to those games. Right. We should. You're you know? Right. Yeah. Like, that's wild. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm all for it. But that's why I also think that the conferences should just go. It's not that like they, 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 these moves shouldn't be allowed or something. It's just that there shouldn't be any conferences. So that, you know, USC can make Ohio State a regular feature of their schedule, but also still play teams on the West Coast or... Right, right. Just choose who they want to play. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like Notre Dame. They get they would get to keep Michigan, Michigan State, Stanford, USC. Keep right. all those games, you know? And we get Ohio State. We could keep Michigan. But then, yeah, let's play the SEC during the regular year. And if you have more teams doing that, 
and again, I know people think this devalues the regular season, but then probably everybody would have one or two losses going into the end. Yeah. I mean, I think we really, it's, so, it's really hard to, who knows what's about to happen with college football. It's such a new world. Like the players are getting paid. Yeah. Um, the playoff is going to be expanded. You know, it's going to evolve in like in ways it should have. You know, I mean, we're going through like what should have been a slow process over decades is going to happen all at once because we were so stubborn about it. That's true. Um, And uh, but it's going to get to a place. It's it's long overdue. Yeah. Similar to our politics, where it seems like something should have been evolving over time, and then all of a sudden, it's just just yanked into a different reality right right it's incredibly harsh right but really like, what like the, except uh, the opposite direction right we watched a really yeah. slow process play out that then culminated in a shocking yeah that's true <laughs> now we're that's like true. whoa yeah Uh-oh. whoa <laughs> whoa like the conservative takeover of the supreme court it took a long time right um it's like at the same then, time Sex got a lot scarier for people. Yeah. But on the plus side, people are also a lot more scared to leave their homes. Yeah. So they'll be having less sex anyway. Because <laughs> they might oh, yeah. get shot if they leave the house. A mass shooting in a small, rich town on the 4th of July. Like, wow. Right. How Welcome on the nose it. does it get? Welcome to America. <laughs> you know what I can't believe I'm still seeing people actually say is that Gun laws don't prevent shootings because we have like, you know, oh, Chicago has all these gun laws, but there's still shootings in Chicago. So obviously the gun laws don't work. Like, I don't understand how if that's if you're a person who makes that argument, how do you not see how that argument can then extend to anything? And it's absurd. Like, right, right. It's an argument we have for no laws. laws. Right. Yeah. Where Exactly. We have laws against murder. People still get murdered. So is anyone advocating for no more murder laws? Right, right. I know. Right. Doesn't if law doesn't reduce crime, then right. Why why don't we just have anarchy? Yeah. I I just I don't understand because that argument is so feels so ubiquitous and it's lasted for so long. But it's it's so paper thin. Like it's crazy. Like one second of thought just dismantles the whole thing. Well, some people say that then just the criminals have the guns and the good people were just the lambs. <laughs> well, right, but that's why we have, that's why the police get guns. Yeah. The official I mean, good guys, not just anyone who thinks they're a good guy. Yeah. I don't know. Are, how yeah. afraid of you to be mass shot? I'm not that, I mean, you know, Still, I don't live my life in that much fear of it. Um, but it's, uh, it is insane how many there are. <laughs> you know, I, my, uh, my daughter like saw the news and that on, on the 4th of July and like we were going to a parade, you know? Right. And she's like, she's like, there was a shooting at a 4th of July parade. She's like, why are we about to go to one? And it's like, <laughs> Well, it's a good question. Yeah, I know. And I was Valid like, question. right. I was sort of wanted to be like, well, actually, that makes this one almost safer. You know, not that it does, <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, you know, it's probably not going to be two parades. You know, <laughs> just, um, but yeah, I'm like, all right. I, uh, yeah. 
Well, this one probably won't. There probably won't be a shooter at this one. Probably. I can't say that for sure, obviously. Right. Right. You're not irrationally scared, but like, we just can't live our lives that way. I mean, also, I saw this on Twitter, of course, but Tucker Carlson was actually looking his stupid face into a camera and trying to make the argument that the reason these mass shootings seem to happen one right after another is that one person with mental health struggles shoots up a place and then the media publicizes that shooting so much that the copycats who want attention right also shoot people and so it is in fact the problem of the media paying way too much attention to mass murder right so they should just move on yeah, or like not just cover don't it. don't harp on it. Like, oh, a bunch of kids got shot in a school. Like, right. uh, <laughs> should we do anything about it? For days and days and days. <laughs> right, like, right. Okay. We heard about it. Move on. Right. Like, what are it. you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh god! Like a bunch of kids got shot. Should we do something about that? Like, no. We should stop talking about it so other people don't do it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. These panty wastes like Tucker Carlson who have no interest in guns and somehow will wound up on the side of gun right. regulation being tyranny. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know. How we got to this place. I mean, I, when you like read the actual text of the Second Amendment, like it just seems so obvious what they're talking about. Like, yeah. You know, like they did they were wary of having like a standing army. It's like, one, you have to go by, you have to go back in your mind, you know, 300 fucking years. (laughs) (laughs) There's no military of any kind. There's no police, national police force. There's no SWAT team. There's no one you can call to come if there's, you know what I mean? Like, someone might just walk into your town and they're bad guys and whatever. You never know when the British might come on the land. They don't have a, you know, they don't. So right, we don't point, have the news even to be like right. So the point is, we don't know if we want a standing army, but we certainly know we have to be sort of ready to fight. Yeah, something whether it's the French or the Indians or whatever. So yes, you can have you can carry arms. Right. Like if they're not, it's just no relevance to to None. our society, and we can regulate gun ownership any fucking way we please like give me a break (laughs) right like right exactly i'm not gonna walk out today and go down to the pier here in in bay ridge and in the east river see a ship that has arrived from france (laughs) ready to fight i have no idea that was about to occur right right and have no recourse right yeah like that's what life was then right that's off the table now it's totally off the table yeah it has no relevance to anything it is totally absurd right Uh, and therefore because of the sacred text a (laughs) lunatic should be able to walk into a walmart and that very day walk (laughs) out of there with a machine gun like god almighty it falls apart it's like one of these things falls apart so fast and yet here we are we can't win the argument can't do anything about it yeah Yeah. it's crazy USA (laughs) that's how it went USA USA (laughs) right, Brian I'll see you next week All right.